Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman. The goal of the Mosaic Life Podcast is to explore happiness, what it means to us and why so many of us chase it, yet so few of us ever find it. You can support the podcast by following me on Instagram at Trey Kaufman, that's T-R-E-Y-K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N, and sharing your thoughts about the last one or 100 episodes. I feel so incredibly lucky to have gotten this far, and I cannot wait to see how much further this podcast can go. There are so many things I'm grateful for in regard to this podcast. And right now, specifically, not to sound too dramatic, it feels as if a new era is dawning. With the production of episode 100 behind me, I'm excited to look into the future. I've got a strong lineup of, I think, close to 10 guests booked now through August. I'm oddly excited about showing up in your podcast players on Tuesday mornings, partially because it takes some stress off me in regard to getting the editing done over the weekend, but also because I feel as if the intent of the podcast has always been to shine a light on what inspires us. And no matter your career, employee or entrepreneur, I know how hard it can be when we feel pulled in a thousand different directions, or on the flip side, having a thousand fingers pointed at us. And so instead of distracting you from the world, my goal continues to be to inspire you to demand the best for yourself. And more than anything, I'm excited to continue having conversations that challenge me, us, and conventional wisdom. Conversations both recorded and not. I can't express how much joy it brings me when someone new reaches out to see a piece of one of these conversations unlocked something in their mind. That will forever be my sole reason for producing this podcast. And I'm feeling especially grateful considering the conversation you're about to hear. Angela Buckley is a doctoral student in organizational leadership. She focuses on the intersection of adult learning theory, cultural change, change management, and structural and systems development. Her leadership consulting focuses on mindset, grit, and positive reinforcement to influence change. Angela's systems have won international and local business awards. Her system for employee retention saved one company $15 million over the course of three years. She's a published author, researcher, and vlogger. You can find more about her leadership system at strengthinnature.com. Please welcome my guest and my new friend, Angela Buckley. Good morning. How's, uh, how was your 4th of July? It was beautiful. The weather was fantastic. I got a 44-mile bike ride in with my fastest 40K this season and fastest um, five-mile split this season. Oh, that's fantastic. That's that's really awesome to hear. Did you do that? uh, uh, How hot was it? I'm I'm curious because that that always has such a a effect on my performance. I'm just curious, one, how hot it was when you you were able to accomplish that, but also how you deal with the heat in that sense. Oh, I'm I'm miserable in the heat and the direct sun. (laughs) 
Yeah. So it started out at 73, 74, and it ended up at about somewhere between 78 and 80. Yeah. But I planned my route that we would end in kind of shade. So we came along the, um, came back along the river. That's awesome. So it's, it's, um, it's rollers, which I do well on rollers. I can pick up speed and that it's just sort of like my powerhouse. Yeah. But being in the shade was a big deal. Um, I, like I can literally feel the blood shunting away from my muscles when I hit sun, even at yeah. the same temperature technically, right? Like as I go in and out of shade between trees, I can feel yeah. the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you say rollers, when I think of rollers, I mean, I, I know we've had a conversation about biking before, but I, I think mountain biking rollers, I mean, are we talking the same things, little, little, you can call them bumps that you get speed on because you're able to pump through them? Yeah. Um, generally on a road bike, the rollers are bigger. I mean, right. it's just the, right. It's just the lay of the land. Um, but like the rollers that you would see in a mountain bike, those are intentionally put in there. They're generally right. very close together and more pump track style. Yeah. Whereas the road rollers, they, you know, they're drip, they're designed for cars to be driving on. So they're yeah. definitely wider, longer, but still the same concept. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad that, uh, you had such a, I guess, high performance weekend. Did you do anything to relax? Did you watch any fireworks, parades? Sure, sure. We did fireworks um, on the 3rd with our family. We rode bikes to the local spot and hung out. And then um, we grilled out yesterday because, you know... Yeah. That's, what, that's patriotic. <laughs> Absolutely. Somehow. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm glad you had such an awesome 4th of July weekend. Um, since we're on the topic of, of athleticism and uh, and high-performing athletes, would love to kind of just jump in there and talk about... Uh, I, I, I So I, I know last year was difficult for everybody for, for a multitude of reasons, but you had qualified, uh, what was it for, for nationals? Was it nationals last year that got bumped into 2022? Is that what it was? Um, right. So the sport of triathlon, thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, I qualified for nationals two years ago. Okay. And so nationals was canceled last year. Right. And because nationals is canceled, then the qualifiers for worlds, gets goofed up as well because you don't have people going to that next level. Um, So this spring I had gotten an email that said, come race with us. You'll qualify for worlds. Nice. And worlds means team USA, right? So um, the, there's feeder groups that allow the sports to support through the age groups. So we're still considered uh, amateurs, of course, but um, for those of us who are still doing daily lives, but then maintaining a level of fitness that's yes. that's up there, we are allowed to go to these events. And honestly, people are, are allowed to qualify for them. And many people are in these events and don't even realize yeah. that the that people are participating with intent to qualify. Yeah. But um, so I had gotten a whole series of emails and finally I read one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and made the decision to go down to this national qualifier for what is considered aqua bike. So the sport of triathlon handles all the multi-sports. And then um, there's different 
lengths and different divisions within that. And aqua bike is swim and bike without the run. Yeah. And so th- those are my two strongest elements. My run is generally my weakness. Yeah. So um, I said, well, what the heck? Why not? So on a one, I got my COVID shot on Tuesday. Nice. On Wednesday, I signed up and bought an airplane ticket. On Thursday, I rented a U-Haul. <laughs> <laughs> and on Friday, I flew down, drove and slept in the U-Haul. And on Saturday, I raced and qualified wow. for for um, Team USA. That's incredible. So it was a pretty intense week. Yeah, <laughs> I bet it was. I bet it was. So I, I know this is not the point I should be taking away from everything you just said, but you slept in a U-Haul. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard of that. So um, during COVID, a lot of the rental companies sold off their fleets. There was that not a sense. rental car to be had. Okay. And so I rented a U-Haul van. Yeah. And packed my sleeping bag and my nice. bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and yeah. a swimsuit, basically. Like, I had swimsuit goggles and a bike. Yeah. That's what I had. That's amazing. And I just uh, slept in the van because at that point, I was just, there were so many logistical things going on. And yeah. Uh, the weather was decent. <laughs> I just pulled up next to the library <laughs> and slept in the back of the van. I mean... It was a little crazy. I'm not gonna uh, not gonna lie. Hey, it's that's I I mean this with all the love in the world. That's hardcore, and I, I really appreciate how how dedicated you are to 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 the sport. I think that's absolutely amazing. So kudos to you. Oh, thank you. I I feel like when I get out there, like a lot of those people, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe, right? Yes. So oh, I um, love that. I mean, just even so, I I only have one tattoo. Yeah. Not to be, but it's swim, bike, run on the back of my leg. And when nice. you walk out to these races, especially at this level, you're just like, oh, yeah, look at everyone has something of that nature. And it's yeah. all on our calf. So you show it off when you're yeah. riding your bike. Yeah. I mean, like, um, and I recently finally spent the money on a on a high end bike. And when I get into these races, my bike's just average. Right? Like, if, <laughs> if you see me walking down the street, you're like, wow, that's a nice bike. Yeah. But when you get into these races at this level. Yeah. You're just, you're on a level playing field. That's all oh, I did absolutely. was level the playing field. So, yeah. you know, you're, you're just talking to people, you're meeting people. Everybody's so supportive of each other. Um, obviously I had some crazy, there were a few snafus along the way. People helped me out. I needed to borrow a bike pump, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, it's just really wonderful to have a community of, I love you that. know, at the beginning it's strangers. And at the end you're like friends and you're cheering for each other and you're checking in on people and Hey, I see your bike. And I saw you racked before me or after me. And sometimes that means you had a great race or not, but sometimes it's just because we started in different divisions. Right. So just that chat and the excitement and that community vibe is it's, it's really a sport I enjoy because of that. I love, I absolutely love that mentality because yes, you are racing against people, but ultimately you are trying to beat your personal best and you're trying to show up for yourself. And if you happen to beat somebody else, that's, you know, great for the, for the leaderboard, but you're only doing that because you are performing at your peak. And so I love how supportive people can be in those communities. Even when you're directly competing against one another, there, there's so much camaraderie. And I, I, I love that feeling. What, what, 
whether or not it's an, it's in an obstacle course race or oh, yeah. uh, a road race, uh, running or, or biking. It's just, it's, it's amazing. And I think it speaks wonders for people's dedication and passion for the, for the sport. Yeah. I mean, everything you just said, I echo, yeah. right? Like yeah. that, that, that beauty of we're out there for ourselves, but we're also out there to be together. Yes. And then in that togetherness, we're at, we push each other to be better. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, um, I, I am curious. Uh, I know, I think we briefly spoke about it previously, but do you have any interest in, in the Olympics at some point in time? Is that not a, is that not a, a pursuit within on your radar? Or is that something that you would love to qualify for? I just, I, I don't know a whole lot about elite, elite, uh, running biking triathlons, any of that. So I'm just curious This is coming from a completely ignorant standpoint. So I, I would say, um, there's, you know, who doesn't dream of the Olympics, sure. but, um, my run would never get me into the Olympics mm -hmm. for one Two, they only take two Olympic triathletes per gender. Okay. And they do the Olympic distance, which is ironically not my strength at all. Sure. Um, I mean, that's actually why we call it the Olympic distance. That's the agreed upon distance. Okay. Um, so probably not. First of all, like I'm, I'm a little bit older, so I'm definitely in the time. I'm, I'm glad that my times are the same as they yeah, were yeah. 10 and 15 years ago. Um, I, I say my, my placement has gone up, not because I've got faster, but because the field is slowly thinning out. Right. <laughs> so I'm just going to outweigh everybody. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm super happy with the progress and the strength and just the maintaining of the speed that I've had throughout these years, I'm getting faster on the bike yeah. and maintaining on the swim. I was always a very strong swimmer. Um, I played water polo for Ohio state. That was a club sport at the time. So I'm really accustomed to the melee in the water yeah. that have good sprint, have good endurance on the, in the water compared to many people coming to the sport. So, um, that's always been a strong suit. And, the run typically doesn't get faster at my age. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I get that. I, I, I myself am 35. I've been a runner for most of my life and it's, I don't know. I, 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 I like you, I've been able to maintain a certain speed and I'm so far from being an elite athlete, but, uh, I, this, your body starts to feel differently right around, at least mine did right around that, uh, 29, 30 year old range. And it's, it's certainly hard to push, uh, to beat your PRs, um, as, as you get older for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with, Withholding and gaining, yes. I am making gains on the bike, which is That's interesting great. to me. Um, I, I think it's probably because I wasn't riding at an elite level when I was younger. So yeah. I have room to grow in that sport and the smartness yeah. and nutrition. Um, and then just the overall, the overall balance of triathlon is such a challenge because I'm intentionally slowing down a little bit on my swim, not in my workouts, but in the actual race times because um i want to save some of that heart rate energy for the bike and for the run yeah so but the so 10 years ago it actually it was 2012 2012 I, it came up on my facebook memory recently was yeah. the inaugural aqua bike for usa triathlon and i went out there and raced it 
and placed third. So I was pretty pleased with that, but there was no world level. So there was no right. Team USA for that race. Um, but for me, that was a game changer because yeah. we just took away my weakest of the three anyways. Yes. And I was, I regularly in, in the smaller races, like local races, I regularly place first or second um, in the swim and first or second in the bike. Yeah. But then my, my run, I'd be like fifth or something or, you know, definitely down and I would lose a couple positions, but by not have, and I was holding back because I knew I had the run. Now I don't have to hold back. I can go all out on the swim. I can go all out on the bike. And it's a complete, for me, it's a completely different level of race mentality. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. I, I love that. And I, I, I love that you use the word fun because I, I think so much of the time the fun gets lost in, in the training. So I, that's the, the passion that I can hear behind your voice. I, I think it's very apparent and I, I'm glad that you still get a lot of enjoyment out of that. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, so absolutely. I learned from my, my girlfriend, you know, we always have to learn from our friends, right? Yeah. And we, and she races more, um, for fun, right? Like yeah. she's just, she's out it's to enjoy the day. And I'm definitely like chase the numbers. And, yes. <laughs> um, and we were preparing her for her Ironman and she like braided things into her hair and made sure her outfit matched and all these different things. And I'm like, what? And she's like, you always have to know where the camera is. Like no one will remember anything, but, but the camera, right? The camera lives on. And I'm like, actually, that's true. So yeah. I do now actively like try to nice. mark in my mind where the cameras are and make sure that I've got a smile on my face, even that's if I'm great. focused in other times or, that's good. you know, like my focused face, unfortunately, I don't always think looks happy. Like I'm, I'm focused, <laughs> right? Like I'm like, focused on my breathing and yeah. I'm, I'm thinking. And so it's definitely an, an intense face and yeah. some people might misread that, but, um, so I do try to like pay attention to the cameras now and give them a wave. I always say thank you to the volunteers and the policemen that are at our intersections, but I can see them like they're out and visible. Sometimes the camera guys are off to the side or something. They're not all, they sneak up on you and right. then they have long range lenses anyway. So you don't actually know when they're taking your shot. But, um, I make a, I make a point at every corner to say thank you as I'm going through an intersection with with some service provider, whether it's a policeman, yeah. a fireman, or a volunteer. Well, that's, we, we couldn't race safely without them. No, absolutely not. I, I completely agree with you. And I mean, that's that's a major part of your life outside of sport. I mean, I, I love your expression of gratitude, and I think it's so important. And there's there's been so much talk about it in the, the kind of the, the self-awareness space over the last five or, or 10, 15 years. And understanding what gratitude means to us as individuals and how it can help us grow uh, and how obviously how it helps others as well in their in their continued pursuit of you know whatever it is that they're they're looking to accomplish and so I, I, I let's let's move on to that topic because I, sure. I know you you host that or you, you you speak about the spirit of acknowledgement and how important expressing gratitude is to you and I, I even want to talk a fair amount about how important it is to receive that acknowledgement and that gratitude, because I, I really think that helps lift us up uh, when we have that uh, delivered to us. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good point as well. Um, so sure, let's move on to that. That sounds like a great plan. 
So yeah, talk to me. So well, in regard to the spirit of acknowledgement, just mm-hmm. talk to me about what that is and what really inspired you to pursue that, and where where even where the, your your sense of gratitude stems from. Oh, um, uh, that's a good question. Um, I I think the sense of gratitude where that stems from, I'll have to think. I have to like stumble through here oh, for that's a fine. second. No, you're fine. Um, definitely, <clears throat> I grew up in the church, and um, my grandfather is a pastor. Three of my uncles are pastors, and certainly um, that comes with bonuses. You know, your pro, right. you know, it definitely has some pros and cons associated sure. <laughs> with all of that. Um, but. My grandma in particular was always very focused on grace and the thankfulness that's associated with that. And, um, you know, I I could aspire my entire life to be as graceful as she was and grateful as she was. Um, So I definitely think that that built-in thankfulness is associated with, you know, those months at camp or yeah. those, those summer days and stuff where we were just, we were out and life, life was simple and good. Yes. Um, but then I think from at a, at a more adult level where I like actively decide that you can choose to be positive or to be negative. Yeah. I think there's other lessons. So there was a moment in my graduate school, I was, I have a master's in material science, right? So I'm in grad school and I don't know, I felt like I was having a bad day. I'm like, I'm in a bad mood. And my Chinese colleague turned to me and he said, Angela, I don't know why Americans have this mood thing. We decide, (laughs) you wake up and you decide, will you have a good day or will you have a bad day? And truthfully, no one had ever said to me, um, decide, right? It just, we just thought it was like a something that happened to you, right? I woke up, I was tired. I woke up, I was this. Um, it wasn't a choice. And so that was kind of a, not kind of, it was very much a new concept to me at the time. Um, and I really started ad- adopting that and then starting to work more and more with, with neuroscience and the focus on how to... Um, how do we help people change? Right. So, um, my business life has taken me through operations, excellence and, and systems development and working for general motors. I was always the person that was helping to create the standard operating procedures and then moved into the six Sigma black belt. So everything's focusing on changing, improving, and this continuous improvement, um, wave that we have in manufacturing in the United States. And one of the challenges that I saw consistently throughout the world, I've worked on uh, eight different countries doing these types of activities, um, was the sustainment of the change, right? Like it wasn't just how do you change it? That part was not super hard. It was how do you get, how do you win the hearts and minds of people? And so um, I'm currently working on my doctorate in it's it's organizational leadership is the title but the yeah. focus is really on how do we teach and change and maintain that change specifically in the manufacturing 
world, but that leads me to all these other side topics, right? This positive neuroscience focus, right? Because that that speaks a little bit to right the the sciencey side of me, but also that that gratis the gratitude and how are you going to have how are you going to have a good day? Are you going to choose or are you going to let it happen to you? So um, associated with that, put together this spirit of acknowledgement, and really I'm focusing on helping team leaders. So your frontline leaders, your crew chiefs, the people who frequently don't get leadership training, yeah, um, giving them very specific words and tools to start their leadership journey. And I think saying thank you, which is really what this is, but saying thank you out loud and publicly yes, and in a way that ties it back to a person. Um, first of all, it makes you feel good as the person giving the thanks. Right. Also, it requires a little bit of effort. It's not just a little bit of thank you. It's you have to know the person you're thanking. You have to know why you're thanking them and how that will impact them as yeah. well as the people that are around them. So yeah. this is definitely more than just thanks for doing a good job. It It's um, it's intentional. It takes a second. The first couple times you do it, it actually will cause a few little beads of sweat <laughs> on your forehead <laughs> because it's nerve wracking. It's a little bit vulnerable. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's actually the word I was going to bring up. So I'm glad you you did say that vulnerability, I think, is, is a big thing uh, when acknowledging others uh, because we don't I mean, ho we hope we, we feel like it's it's apt for the person whom we're acknowledging to to be grateful for being acknowledged. But that's not always the case. And we, we don't always know how others go are going to react to our vulnerability. And so that's yeah, I, I think that's a, a very, very important uh, word to use in that sense. So thank you. I mean, I, I know. The first time I learned of this, I didn't quite have this. I didn't have this formula. We heard some elements here and there. Yeah. And um, I've kind of put it together over time. Um, but the first time that I learned about a better way of saying thank you, right, I was grateful and also astonished and also disappointed in myself, right? Yeah. Because... I, I always said thank you to my team. Yeah. I always did. But I said thanks. I said thanks, guys. Thanks yeah. for having a great day. Thanks for being – I don't even know if I said thanks for being here. I just said thanks at the right. end of every day. Right. It wasn't specific. It was general to the room. And I guess at a certain point, it could be the equivalent of just saying goodbye, right? Like see uh -huh. ya um, without the intent. And so I learned, I learned some of these elements and then enhanced them and kind of looked maybe made it a little more specific now. Um, but I was a little bit ashamed because I thought I was doing a good job. But then yeah. when I look at this and I see this now, what it's developed into, people thank me for thanking them. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You said that, to, you said that to me when we first spoke and I absolutely loved hearing that because it is, it's, it's moving. I mean, when you, when you yeah. provide a genuine, like heartfelt thank you to somebody, of course, that's going to make them feel good. So I, I, it's only makes sense that they thank you for that. Well, I, you know, here's the thing. I was so sad when I got that the first time, because I'm sad that no one's ever said thank you to sure. that level. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. and so for me, it's a little bit more of a mission. 
years to like get this out there like yeah we should all want to say thank you absolutely be thanked right yes um i i think there's there's strength in giving and there's strength in receiving you actually gift back to someone when you when you receive a gift as well yeah so the joy of giving and you allow them to give that joy as well and so just putting all of that together yeah um to just really like i don't know make make the world a better place but also positively influence the behaviors that you need yes when i say this one right this is very specific to how do you influence the behaviors you need in your business but you can twist it to be the behaviors that you need in your volunteer organization the behaviors you need at home you know it it works with my kid I don't go quite this full on in, but when, when we say thank you for the, um, like recognizing that he's done things proactively, right? he, he gets it. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's not like we do this every single day and every single second. That's not what that is. Um, there's definitely the simple thank yous, yeah. but when you take the time to do it, it's, it resonates. It absolutely does. So let's, I want to talk about the science behind it a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned positive neuroscience, and I'm curious if that's similar to positive psychology, which I, I know a little bit about. Um, I read, what was it? Um, it was a happiness book, and I can't remember exactly which one it was, but uh, it talked about positive psychology, and it's, it's yes. I've implemented some of those practices into my own daily life. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious if they're similar, if they're different, uh, how much of po- positive psychology falls into the gratitude spectrum. So I would say the gratitude spectrum falls definitely into the positive psychology. And then I just love the neuroscience part of it because now we can actually map the brains and see the brains lighting up. Yes. Um, So that's, it's still psychology, but now we have a little more of literal science where we can see the positive sections lighting up as the different um, activities are taking place. Absolutely. So I think I was turned on. My girlfriend wrote a book called Every Time I Diet, I Gain Five Pounds. And um, she was getting her neuroscience certificate, or she actually, I think, turned it into a master's. Yeah. Um, And it was really about the positive psychology of finding the right activity to basically substitute, right? Like take away the negative and put in the positive. And then as you find in the journey of finding what is positive for you. So I've been lucky. I've found the sport of triathlon. I know yes. that tying together my outdoor activities and, and, um, and such makes me happy, right? Like sunshine's a definite thing. Outdoors is a definite thing. Um, my side, I, I play a little bit of music and the instrument that I play is intended to be outside. Right. Um, so I have found those positive, happy spots for myself. But not everybody finds that. And there's a journey associated with this makes me happy, this one doesn't. So you have to kind of keep searching. And so her her story for people is that they have to find the physical activity and the mental activities that will help them replace the bad activities or not even bad, but just balance out, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's okay to play some video games, but it's not okay to play video games 60 hours a week and eat potato chips while you do it (laughs) because... What happens with many, and there's a lot more diet things that are out there right. nowadays, right? That right. are working on that positive. She was just, she wrote that years ago, so she was ahead of the curve a little bit. 
but um, that, so, and her focus was on the neuroscience. So that's yeah. where I kind of tie those two together is the positive neuroscience. It's, it's really positive psychology. Yeah. And one of my, the one, the one of the many, many, many things uh, that stuck into my head from, from that book. I've read like three happiness books in a row, so I can't remember exactly which one it is, but I will put in the show notes, but the, the concept that we are far more likely to, what, what was it? Uh, to, if we are happy going into a task, we are far more likely to feel fulfilled from that task than we are if we, shoot, I can't remember exactly what it was, but the concept is that if you have a positive mindset going into a task, you're far more likely to feel happy and fulfilled from that task than if uh, you are just setting your sights further down the line. And I, I'm not saying that exactly correctly, but at one point that I've mentioned here in the podcast numerous times is that leading up to these conversations, there's one specific song that I like to listen to, a music video that I listen to, just so it puts me in a positive mindset going mm-hmm. into the interview. And that happens to be, I can't help falling in love uh, with you. Uh, it's a cover <laughs> of Elvis uh, by the 21 Pilots. And it's just, it's a really cool video. And so it always puts me it's just in this really good place going into these conversations. But I, I, I'm curious for you, when you go into something that you know you need to focus on, you know you, know you need to perform well in, uh, do you intentionally put yourself into a positive mindset so you have the best chance of success? Yes. I want to say always, but maybe not always, but yes, (laughs) the answer is yes. Um, so I guess I'll give an example. And so I have, again, growing up, um, in the church, I have just lots of songs, lots of songs, and maybe they're not all something you would hear on your uh, top 40 hit list, but um, the advantage of singing is that you have all the words memorized, right? So sometimes certain phrases will pop out and they pop out at certain times. So I, I did a bike race, uh, in, in the can, in the red canyons. Um, it was Easter morning. And I, I was felt very ill prepared because of course we have winter here. It's hot, hot. Yeah. Yeah. Their desert ride. And honestly, it was like straight up, or at least it looked like it was straight up (laughs) and I'm riding and I rode to the race site from my hotel and then I did the race. Right. And I'm just seeing this wall. It's like, it's just up. And I'm like. And I just kept saying holy, right? Like it really was followed by a four letter word. But I'm like, I have to change my mindset. Like I will not get through this day in this heat, you know, if I don't change my mindset. And I'm like, all right, it's Easter, right? So I'm like, holy, holy, holy. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to sing like a praise song in my head and just like get myself right. Like that day, that morning, getting even just getting to the start for me that morning was all about the grit of like, I signed up to do this. I'm going to do this and, and I'm going to own it. Right. And I I actually did. I I crushed the race course by over an hour um, for females. But, um, I was nervous. I mean, I don't usually get pre race, like butterflies and what have you, but I just, I definitely, that particular bike is an older bike. Um, you know, we just have winter here and we have flatlands. Yes, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> and I was, I was going straight into the heat, straight into the sun, straight up the hill. I, I just, I was nervous. Yeah. That's, you know, and so you have to like get your mind right. You have to like 
take that focus. You have to say, I'm going to do this and I, I'm going to use the technique. I'm going to do all the training. And for me, then always finding whatever the phrase of the music that's popping into my head. And yeah. it, it's very random probably to somebody else, but it, um, focusing on how that's going to be is, is the focus for yeah. me. And it, it does like I, I count my breathing I count yeah. my, and the music helps with that, right? So tying that music and that positive breathing yeah. together, um, I definitely have strong breathing tactics uh, that help me a lot as well. Absolutely. Um, and then just the focus, like this is what it's going to be like when you're done, right? Like that yes. feeling, like it. I say a like a lot because it makes you a little bit nervous when you think about it, but uh, that's that, right? The cause, the pause. Yeah. Um, but it helps. It helps go through the mental steps of, okay, I have my nutrition. Okay. I did yeah. this right. Okay. I have my bike right. Now I have my mind right. At the end of the day, if you have your mind right, everything else falls into place. That's so incredibly important because as you were saying that, I was just thinking, you know, everybody, when you, when you think about training for, let's just say a marathon, everybody knows what a marathon is, 26 sure. miles, 26.2 miles. And when you think about a marathon, people think about the physical side of the training and, you know, you're going to have to run a lot to get, to get there. But so much of that has to do with your mental stamina, your mental fortitude. And it's that, that, that may be a part of your race training, but that can also stem back for a many years prior in how you live your life and how you push through the obstacles in your life, whether or not they're, they're physical hardships or even, you know, uh, difficult coworkers. Uh, it, the way you deal with adversity, I think, speaks wonders to how you perform on a race course. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the lessons that we try to take is developing that mental strength yeah. and then applying those lessons in everyday life, right? Yeah. It's not just how did I race through here? It's how did I handle the emotions? How did I handle this adverse event? And honestly, how did you handle the positive event too? Because right. after all these positive events, there's that inevitable kind of a burnout. Like you, hormones those happy emotions are actually hormones. That's a chemical reaction in your body yeah. and it goes up and you get this high. It's yeah. amazing. And your body actually takes a, literally takes a physical dip afterwards yeah. as it's healing and recouping all the chemi chemicals that are necessary. So it's not just how you handle the highs, but not just how you handle the lows, but also how you handle the recovery from the highs. Yeah. Absolutely. So when we talk about adversity and we talk about handling recovery, it's, I think that's very apt because, uh, um, I, uh, several years ago you, you got into, I think you said it was a, a car accident, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. And that, I mean, that, that, that just, that, I don't want to, I don't want to sound hyperbolic, but I mean, that ruined, that ruined your, 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 your competing for many years. It, 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 uh, it, it, even other areas of your life. I mean, how did you get through that and what exactly did it take to get to back to where you were? Um, patience yeah. and hard work really. So understanding that the healing process involves a lot of sleep for the brain. So yes, yeah. I had a traumatic brain injury and the concussion was long in its full recovery. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like lost the ability to play my piano. Um, I struggled reading books the way I read. 
I just would get headaches. I wasn't able to play in brass bands. And that's usually my, that's my really fun external outlet. So um, one, allowing the brain to heal enough to allow me to even just be able to sit back to the piano. It was almost a year before my fingers were even just capable. Um, I was only able to walk. Running was not an option at the time because any, any sort of run really led to a fallback, a step back and headaches and, and sickness. Um, and then getting back into the piano, I was really playing just the songs that we had memorized as kids. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not yeah. some skilled, no one's going to pay me. Most people are going to pay me to stop playing piano. <laughs> it's, it's just an enjoyment. <laughs> factor. Sure. Yeah. Um, but still, like I, I still could, and I have this nice piano that I make my kid take lessons on. So yeah. to model that, that activity as well is important as a parent. So finding that and finding the joy and the strength and getting back to a point where I was able to learn a song here or there, it really took almost three years. And it was three years before I started working out again, truly, truly working out. Not that I wasn't, but training, training at a level that meant something. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, that obviously speaks wonders for, your, your dedication to, 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 I'll call it the craft, but I, I, there's so, there's so much, I'll use the word again, mental fortitude that you exercised there. I mean, I, I, I don't know this from experience, but I have to imagine a lot of people who have dealt with debilitating injuries or experiences, they, they find themselves in a, in a mentality where they, they all but give up. And it's hard to not blame, you know, who might've crashed into us or whatever right, your specific right. situation was and just, you know, kind of sat in that sorrow and not wanted to get up and try again or get up and, you know, push forward or get, get up and get back to where the point where we were previously. So, I mean, what conversation, what, what dialogue did you have with yourself to make sure that you didn't fall into a a state of constant despair? So Trey, that's a really great question. And I would have said, if, if this had happened to me, maybe in my twenties, um, even before the conversation of blame, brain plasticity, yeah. I, I, I don't know that my reaction would have been the same, yeah. but we know so much more about the brain. For example, my girlfriend was already, had already done her master's in this neuroscience. So I knew about how the brain could grow. And I understood that we don't have to give up that it takes work, right. um, so I already had that understanding prior to my accident. Yeah. So it wasn't something I had to learn later. It was something that I had to decide that I yeah. was going to chase, right? So I think because I was already armed with the right kind of knowledge, it helped me. Yes. Um, but I've also was armed with years and years of resilience um, and techniques that helped me grow. And understanding that part of growing includes setbacks. Yeah. So I think I just approached it slowly yeah. and just said, I know that I can. I don't know how or what it looks like, but I know that I can or I, and I will. Yes. Um, and I think just, first of all, having that, the, having the right knowledge, which was not an understanding that existed 
20 and 30 years ago yeah. about brain plasticity and the, the ability for our brains to heal. Um, that So having the right tools even beforehand probably helped me significantly. Um, certainly having a child, it just sometimes you just don't have a choice, right? Like you have to. <laughs> yeah you have to show up so um so there's there's a little bit of that as well like wanting to be a good role model and then also just wanting wanting to live your life at your fullest and yeah. that means work and yeah. i and i'm okay with work, the work part of it right like yeah i think the work part brings the joy yes um, the joy of an accomplishment and 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 sharing that with others and so I know we've talked a lot about the sport and, and the joy that we get, I get from being out and with others and you're vibing and tribing. Yes. But um, the music part, the music community is also amazing and supportive and we all miss notes occasionally and we just say, yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yes. So that, that combination of communities supporting and being a part of growth and understanding that you just keep moving forward and in, in your journey is different, I think for everybody. Yeah. I, I can't stress how important what you just said is keep moving forward. And I, I really like what you had said a few minutes ago about essentially you said you may not know the path or even the destination, but you, you move forward and you keep showing up because you know there is one and you'll figure it out along the way. And I think that's a, a trap a lot of us get stuck in. We don't know what that first step is. And so we kind of get stuck in this analysis paralysis stage and we, we never start. And I think that, especially for entrepreneurs, that is one of the scariest things about starting our own businesses. We don't, we don't know where to start, so we're not going to do it. Or we're writing or playing music or anything like that, or even getting in shape. We don't know where to start or we're scared of that first step. And so we let that paralyze us. So, But if you just start moving forward, if you take a step without knowing which direction you're going, at least you're going in a direction instead of standing still. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean... Sometimes you may have a general direction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Um, when you talk about plasticity, uh, brain plasticity <laughs> or neuroplasticity, um, I, I have a very simplistic understanding of it, but I, if you can just talk a little bit more about it, I mean, that's essentially our ability to learn, right? Our ability to learn, to grow, to for our brains to evolve and change. Is that correct? Yes. And I'm not an expert in this field. Okay. So, um, I can talk to you only in layman's terms. Oh, that's fine with me. Um, and <clears throat> really what, what we've seen, so I, I, also, I also like foreign languages. And so I don't know how I came across this, a book that was talking about how people learn languages and the language, language acquisition. One of my random books I picked up along the way or something. And it was talking about how different people after strokes would revert back to different languages. So for, yeah. they gave an example of a, a gentleman who spoke five languages. And um, after his stroke, he reverted back to the language where he, where he was most happiest in life. Yeah. So... Um, 
I believe his wife had passed away or something, but the language that he spoke with her was the language that he reverted to after the stroke. Wow. So, and then it, it was a little bit of a struggle for him to come to bring back the other languages, which is a little bit of a fascinating story. Yes. Um, and then you, you just look at how when we have damaged brains for whatever reason, so I was reading about this information even before my car accident had ever occurred um, with strokes and how people learn afterwards. Right. Right. And um, different parts of the brain can basically like step up. So your brain, this part might be damaged from the stroke. Yeah. But then other parts of the brain are able to step up and adapt. And now we're learning, seeing so much more about if you exercise it, you can do a lot more than we thought. We used to think that if, if you were in an accident and you were paralyzed, like you were paralyzed forever. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. There are so many interventions associated with that, et cetera. But with intervention means that the person's doing the work. It's not the therapist. The therapist guides you. Right. But you're doing the work. Yeah. That's that's what I love about coaching is people say, oh, you did a great coaching job. No. I mean, I helped you, but yes. you, you did the yes. work. Like at the end of the day, I can only advise, yeah. please do this thing. Please work through this. At the end of the day, you're the one showing up and doing the work, right? Yes, absolutely. And the same is true of any therapist, any doctor, any of these interventions. The person is the person doing the work. We are only there to accompany you with any of the skills that we can help and support. Yeah. But ultimately, it's each individual that's going to decide Yeah. Um, if they're going to put in the effort, if they're going to do the work. And so those accomplishments belong 100% to that person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so brain plasticity. So what that really means is that we know that if you choose to adapt, if you choose to focus, if you choose to be patient and do the work, the results will come. That's yes. kind of like a very simple, simplified version of it, but it's not outside the realm. Is it right. harder for some people? Yes. Um, is it accessible? Sometimes yeah. you know that there's a, a habits book and it talks about not just how you form the habits, but literally how the neurons form yeah. um, in your brain. And it takes 28 days to in a healthy brain for new neur neurons to form. Yeah. Which, uh, and, which, which book is this? <laughs> you knew I was going to ask you that question. I know. I know. <laughs> I was hesitating to bring it up. It's got a nice yellow cover on it. I, I just want to say, and you can send it to me after the fact. I'll have if, to send it to you. Okay, totally fine. Um, it's not a well-written book, but it's, <laughs> but, but, um, it's an informative book. Good, right? okay. like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can skim through and get some, again, that combination, neuroscience, positive psychology Yeah. that, that I like. Um, but I think it's fascinating that neurons take approximately the same time to grow as habits take to form yeah. the beginning of habits. Right. Yeah. Um, it, I just, I just like when it, I don't think that it's an accident. Right. 
no, like we sense. see, we observe it from the outside, what's happening on the inside. And now we have the science to show yeah. us what's happening. Um, but the brain can grow. And we yeah. didn't used to know that, right? Truly 30 years ago plus, um, we didn't know that the brain could grow and adapt if yeah. there had been some damage. And so we just thought it was a fatalistic activity when there was a head yeah. injury or something. Now we know that given the time, given the right situation, given the right nutrition and everything else and a lot of sleep, yeah, we can grow the other things as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Angela, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, I, before we wrap up, I, I do want to ask, I, I'm curious how you generally like to show your gratitude. I, I know you've, you you like to express it via spoken word, uh, likely to in, in writing or letters to others as well. Do you I, and I, I, I ask this very specifically, do you ever write down what you're grateful for or for whom you're grateful and just, you know, keep that to yourself? I mean, is that an exercise you do or is it, is your gratitude always expressed with a recipient or to a recipient rather? Um, no, I'm, I'm an avid bullet journalist. Yeah. So you mentioned that. That's awesome. Toss, toss out to all the world out there with, yes. in the Bujo world, right? <laughs> um, so no, I do write down. And in fact, I have it still in draft form, but I have some leadership reflection pamphlets. And at the bottom is always three things you're grateful for from the day. Um, So I make that an intentional practice. And I tell people, I advise people (laughs) that it shouldn't be your default thing, right? Right. Like it shouldn't be, I'm grateful for coffee. Now, some days we all have have a day and are just like, yeah, coffee's my starting point. But if you're writing down coffee every day, you're really just not putting too much effort into it. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I say it's like saying Jesus in Sunday school. Like the answer is, the answer is always Jesus in Sunday school. You, you don't have to think about it. But what is yeah. the real, you know, what's the real effort? Yeah. So, um, so yes, I do. I write that down. Yeah. Um, I do prefer, I do enjoy writing. I do enjoy saying these things out loud. So if I'm in a work meeting, I try to make this public. So we, we actually didn't go through all the the letters of the spirit of acknowledgement. Yeah. That it's supposed to be specific and personal, have an impact, be relevant to the person, inclusive and timely. Yes. So that inclusive is really making it public. So it's not, if someone's super introvert, then maybe not. But right. often um, there's an opportunity there to influence the overall organization by making it public as well. Yeah. Right. So, yes, that means writing. Yes, that means verbal. Occasionally I write cards. Those are obviously more specific and right. higher end ones. So I try to to move the message based on the importance and the impact. Yeah. So, yeah. But then I think just also mentally. Just saying Absolutely. thank you to yourself, right? Like, thank you. I'm grateful for the sunrise or um, that little bit of little bit of prayer. Yes. Gratefulness in your prayer is a, is a big deal. Absolutely. And I, I know we touched on it very briefly in the beginning, and I don't want to take up too much of your, more of your time, but that obviously it's a, it's a wonderful practice for yourself. Um, and it's, it's, it's definitely a wonderful, it feels wonderful to receive that gratitude. And so 
I have recently gotten into the habit of considering how my actions or words affect other people's happiness. That's been, I know that's not necessarily my responsibility, but it's something that I have become cognizant of. And so if I can be careful in the way I word things, or if I can be intentional with my, my, my gratitude, for example, towards somebody, then I can help improve the outlook of their day. And that's always been that, or I shouldn't say that's always been, that's become very important to me because I know what it's like to, to, to feel, to feel good and to feel bad. I mean, to, mm-hmm. in the, the simplest of terms, I know what both of those are like. And if I can help other people feel good, then I of course want to be able to do so. So I don't know if that's a motivation for you, but considering how, receiving that gratitude feels when it, when it's genuine, that, that, that's, that's so important to me. And I, I don't, I mean, is that something that you think of when you, when you write these gratitude letters or express your gratitude to somebody? Thinking about how they feel or yeah. thinking about how I feel? Thinking about how they feel, thinking about how your gratitude to them affects them. I think that's really the intent of it, right? So that personal, the personal means tying your comments to, to, um, their personal values. Yeah. So that means that you have to know them well enough to understand what they value. Absolutely. And so I think for me, I think that's actually why when someone thanks me for thanking them, I think it's because what they're really saying is thank you for seeing me. Yes. Thank you for knowing who I am or wanting to be. I I think that's actually more the thank than the thank you for saying thanks or that I did something. Yeah. Um, I think being seen, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Angela, I, well, it's it's only appropriate. I, I thank you for for doing this uh, with me. It's it's been an absolute pleasure having the opportunity to speak with you. Um, I of course want to thank Anna uh, uh, Bitters for connecting the two of us. Uh, she is yep. a wonderful connector and human being. Um, but as I mentioned previously, I do have a few closing questions I, I like to ask my guests, and the first of which is. I always want to be a resource for the people who share their time with me. And so I, I'm always curious, what resources are you looking for to continue your growth or your, you know, your continue on the path of your personal journey? And if somebody's listening who might be able to lend those resources, I'm just, I'm always curious what those resources might be. So people can hear that and say, and they can say, Hey, I can help Angela. I'm going to reach out to her. Sure. So, um, I have a website that's called strength in nature. And I talk a lot in my, both my blogs, but I also have courses. So if you know of anyone who is interested in learning more about these topics, please send them that way. So I'm really looking at um, that frontline leadership. So those people who have often have maybe an associate's degree, but have found themselves in leadership positions, smaller groups and want to grow. uh, These are your, these are your very pragmatic starting steps. Yeah. in developing leadership skills, um, phrases, and, and it really it's, it's mindset, but it's also action, right? Yeah. So we're very pragmatic in the actions and when we go through our courses. So if you know of anyone who's interested in growing their leadership skill set, please send them that way. Or even teams of people. We can do teams. It works really well that way as well. Everybody supports each other's growing there. Yes. Um, that that would be super helpful for me right now. Perfect. 
Awesome. And then the next question, uh, which we spoke about briefly, I, I, I like to know if you had one book that you can absolutely credit with changing your life for the better, what would that book be and why? Yeah, the title of the book is called Mr. God, This is Anna, and it's by Flynn. It's a pseudoname. <clears throat> but um, Mr. Anna, Anna was like a street urchin who was kind of picked up off the street, and this is her life in yeah. experiencing the world and her personalized philosophy. And really just saying, okay, yes, we went to church to learn things, but yeah. we're, but we don't make we don't make ourselves smaller right. because God is a set size. Instead, we're saying the world is amazing. God is amazing. See the amazing things. And like you can shrink your perspective. So she talks about points of view yeah. and getting down small enough to see the ant, but then also getting large enough to see the overall picture. Like yes. how, do you, how do you move that? And that you don't have to shrink yourself to fit into the hole. The hole needs to grow. And, and that's possible. And, and so I, I talk a lot of times about people think that the there's only so much of the pie, but right. in reality, the pie is big enough yes. for all of us. We just have to figure out how to let it grow, yes. let it grow. Yeah. And I read this, I don't know, I want to say like as a young teen and this perspective of like letting everything else grow, not that I fully understood it at the time because I keep coming back to it. Yeah. Um. And it's importance of letting everybody else get big as well. Yes. Right? It's that scarcity versus growth mindset. And I, yeah. I think that so many of us, as we start our careers, we're, we're taught that everything is scarce. There's only so many people who can can buy a website for my specific example, or who you know can buy this or that, or it, it was willing to be your customer or client. And that's just, that's not the case. That's right. not, there's so much opportunity for all of us to grow and to excel and to exceed. And I, I if we can harness that, we there's just unlimited potential for our personal growth. So I, I love that. Yeah. And I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm still learning. Yeah. <laughs> it's one yeah, of those things, right? Like you just, you just go, Oh, wait, yeah. it's even bigger. Oh, yeah. wait, wait, there's a bigger pie over there. Like, it's just, yes. it's wonderful in that regard. Um, yeah. yeah, I come back to it. I can, I just have to keep remembering and keep learning from it and keep, keep going down that path. Absolutely. Well, the final question um, I'd like to ask, if you could leave the audience with a call to action, either one that you yourself live by or one that you like to ask others to live by, what would that call to action be? Um, so my personal mantra is helping others help themselves. Yeah. And I would encourage people to use that gratitude to help people. Yeah. Right? It's, it's an interesting way to see how others can grow. Um, just by building them up. Absolutely. Find, find that one little good thing for them for their day or something and, and compliment them on it and, and move forward with that. And I think it's kind of surprising that's how perfect. that can fill, fills everybody. Right. So that's Absolutely. what I try to do is provide the skills that people need to help themselves. I love that. I love that. Angela, thank you so much for, for taking the time to spend your morning with me, technically an observed holiday. So I appreciate uh, you, 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 you sharing uh, this with me. If you would like, uh, or if people would like to learn more about you, if they would like to connect with you, what is the best way for folks to do so? 
Oh, well, thank you. I, thank you for your time this morning. I Absolutely. appreciate your flexibility in my schedule. Um, it's really been wonderful talking to you. If Same. people want to reach out, they can find me on Instagram. Uh, I have a handle creatively efficient and my sporting stuff you can find on Angela J. Buckley also on Instagram Perfect. if you're following that along. But really my website is Strength in Nature. So that's www.strengthinnature.com. And so my blogs are there and you can see some of the offerings that we have there as well. That's wonderful. Angela, again, thank you so much. I look forward to sharing this with the world. And I look forward to staying connected with you too. Thank you again. Trey, thanks so much for your time. It's been great. Please join me in expressing extreme gratitude to Angela for joining me on the podcast. I'm so thrilled she was able to join me for episode 101, and I cannot wait to see where the next 99 episodes leads us. Please be sure to check out the show notes at themosaiclifepodcast.com. And while you're online, I would be forever grateful if you would take just a couple moments of your time to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way in helping others just like yourselves discover the content created here. And once again, if I haven't expressed it enough already over the last couple of episodes, thank you so incredibly much for joining me on this journey and helping me continue to grow and have these wonderful conversations, your support, your encouragement, and your messages. They mean the world to me and they're truly what keep me going. Again, thank you all. And until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.